0: Well, good morning. I'm Jeff. Uh, I don't have any Twix to give you at all. I got nothing for you. We're going to come to the Word. This, we're in our summer, uh, of this, summer in the Scriptures, uh, fourth year, and uh, this is I love this. We just finished week um, seven or six? Seven. Week seven. And uh, all of you answering at one time lets me know how many of you are participating. That's awesome. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, This is where the grace is really shown. We have week eight and nine. If you're like, I have not done it. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Jump in, read with us. These brochures are in the back of your chairs or if there's some out on the table in the lobby, it'd be so fun to have you just join us. We've got uh, uh, first and second, uh, John, Jude, uh, the book of John, which we haven't done yet. We did that hour or, and uh, and the book of Revelation. That's all coming up in the next couple weeks. So it'd be super fun to have you join us in reading through the scriptures. The whole point is, that we're people of the Word, we want to be in the Word together, and so we're preaching this summer in, um, out of that, just kind of something that came out of, for me, out of this particular week. This is a verse that I memorized and that I want to um, encourage you with. It's a verse that may change my life, it may change your life, so that's what we've been doing. Um, this is my last time preaching in this series, and so uh, it's my last time to be obnoxious with the lights on. I'm going to turn the lights on and 3, 2, 1, go. Oh, I beat I beat you. The lights, 3, three, two, one, go. No. Now they're just messing around. There they are. The idea there is that uh, we, uh, I would love to have you turn uh, into the scriptures in your, in your seats. So uh, there's, there's Bibles in front of you. Would you grab one? And if you brought a Bible, great. If you have an electronic Bible, that's great. But grab a hold of a Bible. We're going to be in Ephesians. Uh, I've said that like 15 times today, Ephesians. Hebrews. Hebrews. We should maybe just go to Ephesians, see what God has for us. Um so love everybody to have it. So here's what you're like, wait, 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 give me a page number, page number. Hebrews chapter 10, it's page 1113. Hebrews chapter 10, 1113. I should have done that at the beginning because it's hard to find stuff in the Bible if you haven't uh, read it before or spent time in it. Hebrews chapter 10 is page 1113. Is that correct? Do I have that right? Here's... here's one of the things I love about being in the summer in this, everybody got it? You got, you got the, the text in front of you? Great. Here's what, part of the reason I love about being in the summer in the scriptures is that there's a continuity to the story. Like, you get to read a whole bunch of it, like, you know, you, you just, and you start to see themes open up because it's a whole bunch of, uh, you know, chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter. Oakland Athletics, dude. I'm from Oakland right here. Yeah. What's your name? Kevin. Kevin. Are you from Oakland? I'm not. I'm from Marin for the most part. But you're an Ace fan. There's no, me and you are the only A's fans in Marin. You know that? Yeah, dude, so good. You're my best friend. I love you. Okay. Um, so where was I? Oh, so you get this continuity in the story. And one of the things, you start to see themes that, that open up and unravel. And you're like, okay, that's a theme. And one of the themes that I feel like that I landed on this particular, I'll show you my verse in just a minute, uh, that uh, the one of the themes that I feel like I landed on is a the theme that, that first kind of came to light when Art preached about three or four times ago about uh, he was telling the story of the lost coin, the lost sheep and the lost son. And in that story of the prodigal son, there's an older brother. And in that part of the story, there's this interesting dynamic that happens, right? The younger son goes off and, and wastes all of the father's inheritance. And then he gets welcomed back and he ends up with this giant welcome and party because he's returned to the father, which is great news. It's the story of Christianity. The older brother's like, Hey, I didn't get a party. Right? And the way the story goes is the father says, and this is the kind of stuff that, you, you know, the, the word of God is so rich, but you don't always get it the first time when you look at it. But it just dawned on me, the father said to him in that story, Luke 15, the older son, you've always been with me and everything I have has been yours. Like you've already, you've had it all. Now here's the connection I want to make, which is a really cool thing for that, the father to say. There's a connection I want to make to the son It didn't feel like that was true. The father said, you've always been with me and everything I have is yours. And the son legitimately, like I had, I felt for the son this time around, this reading around, this older son who goes, but it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like I have the blessing that I long for. You guys, one of the themes in the scriptures is we will go through and you see it in all kinds of stories and all kinds of teaching. You will see it in the word. One of the themes of scripture is it doesn't always feel like God is with you and God is for you. It doesn't always feel that way. Circumstances conspire to where you're like, you know what? That supposedly is true. I have felt that at other times in my life even, but I do not see it now and I don't feel it now. And that's what was happening to this group of people in Hebrews that I want to read this text in just a minute. I'm going to start by sharing this story. I, um, when, we, when our kids turned 13, we did this... Special thing with them where when actually from the time they were 12 to 13 they um we said to them listen here's what we want you to do this was a crazy thing as parents we're like we want you to start dreaming and like what's in your heart to go to to go somewhere in the world where would you like to go in the world and we if you start dreaming we will make every effort if the Lord provides the resources to go anywhere in the world you want to go for your 13th birthday you see how I dropped the God card like if God provides yeah <laughs> And, uh, and it was really fun, and it's kind of risky, right? Because your kids get in touch with their hearts. They're like, I want to do this, and then we have to like, go, uh, that's not possible, or okay, right? But the whole idea of it was is that for the whole year, they were praying and dreaming because we wanted to teach them how at 13, they were going to take over their own spiritual journey, and the point we were making was, uh, here's what you do with Jesus, you dream big dreams, you get in touch with your heart. You go, this is what I would love. You dream big dreams. You don't squash your heart. You don't pretend that you don't have desires in there. You get in touch with what's going on inside of you and you present those dreams to Jesus. And then one of two things happens, it's as simple as this. He gives you those dreams, sometimes in mind-blowing, miraculous, I cannot believe how awesome God is ways. And sometimes he changes your dreams. That's it. You dream big dreams, you present them before the throne of Christ under the lordship of Jesus. And you go, here's my dream. And he goes, that's awesome, watch me work and the whole world's going to know how magnificent I am. Or he goes, no, I I got something deeper and richer than that. And he changes those dreams. So this was our whole goal, right? Why did I tell you that? I don't remember. Oh, I know. Because when our oldest was she dreamt that she wanted to go to Maui and swim with dolphins. She wanted to go swim with dolphins in Maui. You know how there's some girls like into little horses, and other girls are like into dolphin, like she, like every girl at 11 wants to be a marine biologist, right? Like that was her, like, I want to, I want to be with dolphins. And so she's like, you know, like I heard that in like the resort, you know, five-star resorts, you can go in the pool and swim. And I'm like, well, okay, well, Jesus didn't provide those resources. So that's not happening, but we can figure out a way to get to Maui and we'll go on one of those kayak trips where they take you out and you find dolphins for a whole year. I want to swim with dolphins. we have never been to Hawaii. Our kids have never been to Hawaii. Like I, I, we can't like, we're going and you're going to go swim with dolphins. And so this was the brochure. One of the brochures of, of one of these places, like, look at this. We look at this, look at the, the, all around the top of the brochure, just you and dolphins. Eye to eye, heart to heart. Can you see the 12-year-old turning 13-year-old girl just being like, yes, that is exactly what I want, eye to eye and heart to heart. The Dolphin uh, Quest company, the kayak thing that we went on, they guarantee dolphins. The other pages of the brochure, were, we guarantee dolphins, like guarantee. You know where the story's going right now? So the last day in Maui, we've got this thing booked. We go, we get up at seven o'clock in the morning. We go to the little kayaking trip. We go on the little, they're like, this is the perfect time. This is where dolphins are. And then the guy's like, "I I don't know where they are today. I've never not seen them here. And we're like, she's been dreaming for a year about dolphins. So we're like, okay, well, we'll do a little kayaking. We'll see a turtle. It's not a dolphin. It's a turtle. It's different. So a couple hours later, he's like, we're gonna go to a different place. I know where they are when they're not here. They're gonna go to that place. Okay, you're following me? We get to that other place. We go around the corner and no dolphins. Now it's lunch break. Guy's like, wow, scratching his head. I worked here three years. I've never not seen any dolphins in the morning like that. And I'm like, Jesus, you better come through. Afternoon, the guy's like, "Okay, when they're not here in the morning, here's where they are in the afternoon." Okay, the story goes on and on and on, hour after hour after hour. We're putting on a good face. I'm like, "Oh, it's so great! Look how beautiful it is!" My voice was all high, you know, because I was all frustrated, dad, trying to pull it together. End of the day, no dolphins. So they're like, "Okay, that's that's never happened." So I, I mean, we guarantee you can come back tomorrow. We're like, "We're going home. There's no tomorrow." And we left her dream, dream big dreams, present them to Jesus. He either gives you your dreams or he changes them. We left Maui without, without dolphins. Now that's, that's dolphins. But many of us resonate with that story in way deeper and more significant things. And she admitted later, she's 29 now, that it created a wound, a question in her heart. Could Jesus be trusted if I gave everything to him? Could he handle my dreams and my heart if I released myself to the lordship of Jesus? Right? And we resonate with that. You're getting in touch right this very moment with the, your story, the thing that you've been waiting for, the thing that you long for, and it doesn't circumstances have conspired to give you the message, the question about whether or not he's really with you, and for you. My story was I became a Christian when I was 13 years old. Eighth grade, became a Christian, gave my life to Jesus, this is what life is about, this is amazing, and literally three months later, my family blew up and my parents got a divorce. And I was like, that was not what was supposed to happen. And every one of us has some version of that going on, even right now in our lives. The thing that we're longing for, missing. The, Hebrew, the Hebrews, the people that this book is, is called written, is written to the Hebrews, they're Jewish believers who had experienced some difficulties. And I want you to look at the verse that I picked that might change your life. Here it is. I'll try to have it memorized. It goes like this. It's verse, sorry, verse 35 and 36. So the end, near the end of the chapter. Hebrews 10, 35 and 36. It says, so do not throw away your Confidence it will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere, so that when you've done the will of God, you'll receive what he has promised. Don't throw away your confidence, you need to persevere, it'll be richly rewarded. You need to persevere, you're in need of endurance, of persevering, so that when you've done the will of God, you'll receive what he has promised. I'm going to take it off the screen because I want us in our Bibles just for the next couple of minutes. I'm going to give you. I'm going to go back to the pulpit and give you a couple of thoughts that I have on this text. But, but just start looking at. It. Look at the first phrase. The first phrase says what? So read it with me. So. So do not throw away your confidence. So do not throw away your confidence. So so when you read the Bible and it says so, you go so so. What do you mean so? So he's been talking about something, right? He's been talking about something. So now go look up where what is he even talking about? What's the circumstances? So go look up the just even if you backed up to the beginning of that paragraph, verse twenty, I mean thirty. I can't see. It's just too small. He's an optometrist. That literally is. That's awesome. All right. Um, can I have a card? All right. Um, remember those earlier days after you had received the light when you endured a great conflict and full of suffering. These guys went through something hard. He goes, remember those early days? What do we know about those early days? In this text, what does it say? What do we know about the early days? When, when were those earlier days? When, what does it have to do with receiving the light? When? After. After they received the light. After they found out that Jesus was the answer. After they gave their hearts to Jesus. Christ, after they surrendered their lives to the lordship of Jesus, after you did that, then you endured a great conflict and experienced suffering. This story is all through the scriptures, you guys, that even though we're Christ followers, even though we've given ourselves to Jesus, circumstances conspire to look like God's not for us and God's not with us. And it goes on to explain it. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. Other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated you suffered along with those in prison. And you joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. These guys went through an incredible persecution. It's probably not persecution for you, not in our day and age, not in our time. That's probably not your suffering. That's probably not your difficulty. It was theirs. But he goes, after you experienced the good news, this happened to you. Don't throw away your confidence. Because stuff's going to happen that's going to make you go, that's it, I'm out. I'm done. I'm b- and he goes, you can't bail. So he says, so. So he starts saying, so. So don't bail. So don't throw away your confidence. What do you think they would be confident in? Tell me. Reading this, knowing this story of Jesus. He says, don't throw away your confidence. What do you think he's referring to? Somebody guess and tell me. Yep. Jesus' promises. Okay, Jesus' promises. You're going to receive what's... He's promised. So tell me what some of those might be. What what are the, what would their confidence be in? Okay, eternal life. That we have an eternal life. Yeah, Carol. Okay, that Jesus is going to return. Yeah. What else? Yeah. Yeah, being saved, being forgiven, being having a relationship with God. Exactly. Yeah, you can't throw away that confidence. Yeah. Yep. That he's going to be present with you. He's going to be with you. Can't throw away your confidence, even though it feels like that may be the case. Yeah, exactly. Allie. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay. That's his, that Jesus, part of Jesus' teaching. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Be confident that that's going to be true. It doesn't always feel light, but that's what's happening. That his yoke is going to be easy and his burden's going to be light. You're going to be able Spirit. to. Yeah? Be, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit. You're going to be filled with the Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit with you. In fact, that's true. If you go back, and I don't have time to do it now because we're we're running late this morning. I'm running late, I mean. What I'm saying is I'm not doing a good job managing the clock. Um, But you go back, you look at the word confidence in the scriptures, and you look back even in this book, and you see the word confidence. You'll see what it is he's talking about. You even look in this chapter, you'll see the word confidence. In verse uh, uh, twenty. 19, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, that's, he's talking to Jewish believers who understood how the Jewish temple worked and the holy place was the place that nobody could go. You couldn't have access to God. You couldn't get in there and be with God. The high priest could only go in there and that high priest could only go in there one day a year and only then after he did all of the right sacrifices or lest he come to God unprepared and God would strike him dead. That's how holy and awesome God is. And the message of Christianity is, oh, guess what? You enter into that place with confidence. Not the high priest, not once a year. You get to go in, be with him, and find mercy and help in our time of need. You can go on and read about confidence. This is what our confidence is about, it says. So do not throw away their confidence that we have access to Jesus, as, as Brenda said, that we have the Holy Spirit, as Noni said. You know, that there's this, that, that we have salvation, that he's coming again, as Carol said. Like, don't throw away that confidence. Listen, even though. It doesn't feel like it's all true right now. And that's what perseverance is about. He goes, you need perseverance, you need to endure, right? Help me with the definition of perseverance. What's it mean? Not stopping, Not stopping. Sticking, to sticking to it, grit, grit. dedication, dedication. right? We know what this word means, rolling with, punches. Roll, <laughs> rolling with the punches. That's a great metaphor. One step in front of the other. You keep going the same direction. This is what you do when it gets hard. He says, you're in need of perseverance. That's actually a better translation, a literal translation. You're in need of enduring because when you've endured, because when you've walked with God, you will receive what he's promised. And it's sort of the same. It's full circle. It's like, don't throw your confidence. It's going to be rewarded and richly. So keep going, even though it doesn't feel like it's true. Keep going, even though you're not sure where the answer is because when you've walked with God you'll receive what he's promised. Friends, are you getting in touch with that thing inside of you that goes, "Yeah, I get that." I live that way a lot. I'm waiting for God to show himself, true. Waiting is a thing in the scriptures. And I want to talk about waiting faithfully for the rest of our time that we have here. Waiting faithfully, cuz waiting is a we wait, when is God going to show up? I'm dreaming these big dreams. I'm in touch with my heart. I want healing. I want, I want blessing. I need to be taken care of. I, people I love, I want God to show up in their lives. Like we just have these things that we're looking for and it doesn't always feel like God's actively involved in that. That's a scriptural theme. And the writer of the Hebrews says, don't, don't, okay, I know you're going to want to bail. Don't do it. Don't throw it away. Don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to keep going. Because when you've walked with God, when you've done the will of God, you'll receive his promises. And so we wait. What are you waiting for right now? You know, what are you waiting for right now? give you guys a break from those lights. Are you in touch with that reality inside of you? That there's stuff in you, and I think most people, when we have this kind of conversation, you're like, I know exactly what you're talking about in my life. This thing that's yet undone, this relationship that is broken, this thing in me that I can't beat, this brokenheartedness that isn't healed, this dysfunction that keeps getting in the way of my life, this lack of whatever, this scarcity of money, of time, of love, of I'm waiting for God, I keep waiting for God to show up. Waiting's a thing in scriptures, in scripture. And persevering is about waiting, but not just about waiting passively. It's waiting faithfully. Being faithful to what's true. And I want to talk about what I think that that means, you guys, out of this text and the context. I'm just going to give you four things, and maybe you can write these down, and I'll blaze through them. But what does it look like if we're longing for God to come, and he hasn't yet come, and so we're tempted to want to bail on the whole thing? What does it look like to wait faithfully? One, we, When we wait, we, we remember what is true. We remember what is true. Because the whole point is that we don't, we don't have confidence in what is true. We don't have confidence that we have an access to Jesus. We don't have confidence that the Holy Spirit is present to, go, to guide us and to heal us. We don't, have, we don't have confidence in that. We don't remember that those things are true because they don't feel like they're true. And so we remember what's true. And where we remember what's true is by getting in the word of God. This is where God's revealed to us what is true about himself and about us and about life. And so we become people of his word. That's why this year in the summer in the scriptures, we said, let's talk about verses that may change your life. And then let's put a little little spot in the brochure about this verse may change my life. And then let's memorize that verse. So you hope, hopefully a whole bunch of you have been memorized different verses from the reading during the, during the week. This verse might change my life. I got to remember it. I got to remember it. I got to remember it. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be rich and rewarded. Jeff, you need to persevere so that when you've walked with God, you'll receive what he's promised. There's power in becoming a person of God's word to let it re- help you remember what is true. I say this. I know I sound like a broken record. I say this all the time. I'm like, are you a woman of the word? Are you a man of the word? Are you becoming an expert in God's word? Because this is the place that God has revealed himself and your journey with Jesus is in here. And have you become an expert and most most of us go. I'm so far from an expert. Don't ask me any questions. No pop quizzes. I, I, keep going. You need to persevere and get in what is true, and keep learning. By the way, little small little um, uh, commercial. One of our offerings this fall is a four-week course called 101. And it is essentially to go deep on what it is that this thing teaches. Four weeks on the basic message of Christianity. And so if you're like, yeah, I'm not sure I could tell you what the basic message would be or what the basic core, then this, I think that class could be for you. And if you're seeking this whole thing and going, yeah, help me, because, man, you tell me this is, and I read it, and I'm like, I don't understand it. I don't know what that means. This is going to help you summarize the beliefs of the, um, of the Christian faith and of the Bible's teaching. It's called 101, It's just four Wednesday nights starting at, um, at the end of September. So um, that's a little thing. So waiting faithfully is about remembering what's true. So we, we keep going back, going, God, tell me what is true. And we could go down the line and talk about what's true. We could go way down the line and talk about all things like what is true about this God, this God who loves us, who's sovereign, that's our best in mind, who is a good Father, who's not, who's for us, not against us. We'll rehearse that. This Jesus, our Savior, who is so gracious that He's cast our sin as far as the east is from the west. Right? I mean, we can remind ourselves what is true that God is not that God is not slow in keeping His promises, but He He is patient with everyone, wanting everybody to come into a relationship with them. I mean, there's just all these promises in the scripture that if we, rehear, that if we remember them, it'll help us remember what's true. And the second point was, and I slipped right into it there, and we're going to rehearse what's true. We're going to rehearse it over and over and over again. See, this first one is that we're, we're, we're remembering what's true. We're waiting in the word. We're in the word while we're waiting. The second part is we're in worship while we're waiting. The word is where we remember it and worship is where we rehearse it. And that's why we come here and that's why we sing these songs. Not because they're great songs, not because you should be singing, but because we want you to rehearse what is true. Rehearse what is true, rehearse what is true. Up here, we remember what is true. Down here in the heart, we rehearse what is true. Amen. We begin to live those things. Are you a worshiper? Do you come prepared to engage with the presence of God in our worship? And those truths move from, from head to heart. Do not throw away your confidence. You know, when we, think about when we, when we uh, worship, um, part of worshiping faithfully, sometimes worship becomes emotional and the reason it becomes emotional is because we realize that the truth that we're rehearsing, we don't actually totally believe it. And so there's this longing for not being there yet. Do it resonate with that? Some people go, when I feel that, I just can't sing because I'm like, well, I don't believe that yet. And others of us are like, uh, no, I sing it like make it true, make it true, make it true, make it true, make it true. And there's a depth and a longing for more of God that I don't yet feel or experience, right? So don't throw away your confidence. We'll be richly rewarded. We need to persevere. And we persevere. Remembering what's true, rehearsing what's true. Third, we, remember, we persevere, we wait, hanging on to Jesus Waiting faithfully is getting a hold of him and, 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 and not letting him go. And we've, I mean, I love that idea. I've talked about it before. Jacob wrestling with God all night long. Genesis 32, read it if you don't know that story. He's like, I'm not letting go of you, God. You're my hope. Like, I gotta hold on to you. And then that story, the, the man, the, the manifestation of God's like, okay, hey, it's morning. You've wrestled with me. You can let me go. He's like, mm-mm. Because I don't have yet what I need and you're my only hope. I'm not letting go of you. Does that characterize your perseverance, that every day you get up and you grab onto God and you're like, this is it. I'm, I'm, I'm infamous for saying this to our church members, don't come and make an appointment with a pastor because you stuff in your life isn't together. Wrestle with God every morning, because I, I don't have anything to give you, I, won't, I don't know, I don't know how to fix you, I don't know how to fix your marriage, I don't know. I got nothing for you, isn't that helpful? What do you pay me for? I have no idea, because I have nothing for you. But what I tell people is, every day slide out of your bed, Hit your knees, get on your, physically on your knees on the side of your bed for 100 days without stopping and beg God to show up and heal you. Amen. Beg him, he's your only hope. Hang on to him. 100 days, not like, okay, I tried that last week on Wednesday then Thursday I was busy and then I yeah, kind of thought about it Friday on the bus. Every day, five days, 10 days, 15 days, 90 days, 100 days, God, you are my hope. And I'm not saying 100 days is magical and that at the end, bing, you get your prize. I'm saying that we wait faithfully wrestling with God. We Remember the truth, we rehearse the truth, we wrestle with God, we wait, we hang on to Jesus and then forth we mourn what is not yet. We mourn, that's what we do when we wait. We mourn. We weep for what hasn't yet happened in my life and in our world and our culture and our society and We weep while we're waiting. And the reason that's important is that to to fake it and to do this whole like, oh, Jesus is the answer and it's all good will run out right away. You will lose your confidence as soon as you start trying to fake that for more than about a month because it's not true. Christians are like, it's all good. No, it's not all good. It is not all good. So when you look at your life and you've given, after you've become received the truth, after you've been enlightened as the, Hebrews that they're writing to, you know, right, verse 29, whatever, after you've received the light, you experienced all kinds of suffering. That's for real, friends, and it's not all good. It's born out of evil, and it's born out of brokenness, and it's not all good. And so for us to just go, okay, it's all good. No, we mourn what is not good. It's not all good for the people in Texas who, like, they cannot believe that the storm, like, came barreling down into their city. How do you explain that? That's not all good. It's not all good for those people that are stuck in the cycle of poverty. It's not all good for people whose marriage just cannot get fixed and they can't find healing in it. It's not all good. And so while we're waiting for God to come, because I I hope I alluded to it enough, friends, he'll come. You'll receive what's promised. It, It may not come exactly in your timing. It may not come exactly the way you want it to come. It may, ready, you know this, it may not even come in your lifetime. I mean, the full fulfillment of what God has promised won't come until Jesus comes back and we're in the kingdom of God together fully. But it'll come. And we put our trust in that, and in the meantime, we weep for what is not yet healed. We're a weeping people. We're a joyful, weeping people. We're a rescued, ecstatic, broken Weeping people. It's both. And the great news is Jesus never expected you to be like, you're all good, you're good, everybody good? Don't throw your confidence, it's all good. The one place that we know it's famous for Jesus weeping, he wept because his friend died. He wept because his friends, it was their brother, and they were in angst over the whole thing and how it unfolded. And they were so broken hearted that their brother died. The interesting thing is that we know by the end of the chapter, Jesus raised him from the dead. Jesus knew the end of the story. Jesus knew how it was going to all come out. Jesus knew that he would have eternal life. Jesus knew that there would be glory at the end of the story. Jesus knew the whole story, but what was he doing? He was weeping with those who didn't know the end of the story. He was weeping with them. He weeps with you that you don't know the end of the story of how God will show up and meet you in the place of your deepest longing and need and the brokenness of our world and your life. He weeps with you. This is how we wait faithfully. Remembering what's true in the word, rehearsing it in worship, hanging on to Jesus with tenacity that he is our hope and weeping in the meantime that it isn't all yet happened. The point of the text is it's going to be really, really, really hard after you become a Christian. It's going to be hard, but don't throw it away. Don't give up. Don't lose your confidence that he's the answer. Endure. Keep in the same direction, and when you've received, and when you've walked with God, when you've done the will of God, you'll receive his promises it's going to happen. I don't know how. I don't know exactly when. But it's going to happen. I'll finish with this story. Band, you can come up. Sorry, I meant to bring you guys up. We're going to respond in worship for the closing of our time. But uh, Six years ago, it was our 25th anniversary, and we decided to do something kind of big, and we brought our kids um, to Hawaii. And some friends let us use their place, and it had an ocean view. And um, so the very first morning, I had my coffee, and I got up, and I was maybe just Linda and I were up, and our four kids were it was six years ago, so they were in their twenties, into their teens, and I'm drinking coffee, and I'm looking out at the water, and I'm like, "Is that a dolphin?" I didn't know Brooke had carried wounds, but I knew how much she had always loved dolphins all her life. And I ran into the room where she was sleeping and I, Brooke, I think I see a dolphin. Do you want her? She's like, yes, out of the bed, putting on clothes, run down to the beach or to the coral. We're running down the coral with dragging the two-person sea kayak that they had. And we're headed out toward the water. We, We both fell down. She bloodied both her knees. This, friends, is 10 years after the Maui trip. She's 23 now going out for the dolphins. So we get in this thing, we start paddling out there. They're maybe a hundred yards out. So it's a long ways out. So by the time we get down and we're bleeding and we're in the thing and we're, we're paddling out, we paddle all the way to, the, to, the, to where the dolphins were. And I look around and it's just silent. <laughs> I'm about now to give up my faith in Jesus. I'm like, that is not okay. <laughs> like, what is it? And then all of a sudden, you guys, in this, sunrise, dim light, all of a sudden you have this, like this isn't a picture of it, but this is like the thing. It's all of a sudden like, (laughs) and we're like, (laughs) and so we, we paddle out to where those dolphins were and pretty soon. And if you've ever been on a little boat and you've seen the dolphins they like to play, or if you're even in a kayak, if you've ever done this, what it's supposed to be like, hello, guaranteed dolphin trip. And we're paddling in this kayak and dolphins are coming up and they're swimming on both sides of us and they're surfacing and their blowholes are right there. I'm like, I want to stick my thumb in one just to see if that's possible. Like these dolphins are everywhere. But like pretty, like we could, it was hard to paddle. There were so many dolphins. And then, you know, there's like five and eight dolphins on either side and you look around, there's dolphins as far as you can see. Pretty soon we had to stop paddling and they're doing that like flipper thing where they spin up, they go, woo, like do a two, like two things and they, they drop down like that. They're, and there's dolphins jumping. We're stopping. They're like going just in front of our kayak. They're over the top of it. We paddle some more. Dolphins everywhere. There's 10, there's 20, there's 30, there's 40. At one point, I counted 45 dolphins. I lost count. There's dolphins everywhere. We're slipping into the water. We're swimming with them. They're everywhere. They're spinning. There's multiple dolphins everywhere we look. It was dolphin mania. It was out of control. And as we watched the show, you guys, it went on and on and on. Like it was ridiculous. 45 minutes. And at one point, and we were just exhausted and we just watched the show go on around us. At one point, I realized that my 23 year old daughter is sitting in front of me in the sea kayak and I see her shoulders. She's weeping. Reflecting later, she says, It was a sign to me. It was silly, it's dolphins. But it was a sign to me that when we put our trust in him, he will come and meet us in our deepest longings with riches beyond what we can imagine. That he's worthy of our hearts. He's worthy of a little girl's dreams. Because when you're 13 to 23, you experience a lot of pain and angst, don't you? And all that time, the question had been already in her heart, man, can I give him my life? And will he take care of my heart if I surrender it to him? And God showed up with 45 dolphins to say more than you could ever ask or imagine. I've seen Brooke share this story with people and with high school students as a public speaker and she gets really in your face and she goes, Give your heart to Jesus and wait and it will always be worth it. It will always be worth it. He is the answer. He's our hope. I was just at another funeral of two 19-year-old girls who died in an accident. This side of heaven, friends, even after we come to know Christ, we wait and wonder if we can trust God with our lives. He is always the answer. Just as we go into worship now and finish our time, listen, I need to ask you this question. Was this sermon for you this morning as you got in touch with what you're waiting for and what you're longing for, and if you were honest, a, a question or a wound about whether or not you can give your heart to him and he'll care for it. And this is God bringing to you this word of encouragement. Don't throw it away. Don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to keep going because when you've walked with god you'll receive everything he's promised and it will always be worth it but if this was for you this morning and you've identified what that is maybe this would be a day where you take a step and you go you know what god i'm all in no matter what we go through and i will always put my trust in you whether you look like you're there whether i feel like you're there I'm all in, no matter what we're gonna go through. I'll never throw this away.